Shalom Aleichem, Shavua Tov, to all of you listeners of this great station, which disseminates Torah to thousands of people in our own community. Torah, Divrei Torah, Divrei Musa, Divrei Ta'orerut, Divrei Alecha, and of course, religious music. This is Rabbi Albas from SLC. I'm going to speak about the Parashat Yitro. The Ora Hayim HaKadosh, as you know, every time we mention Ora Hayim, we say HaKadosh because he was a saintly and holy man. He says, he asked uh, three questions about one pasuk in the parasha. A very short pasuk, three questions. First of all, let me say a few words about the Ora Hayim HaKadosh. His name was Rabbi Hayim bin Atar was born in 1696, like a little over 300 years ago, in Meknes, Morocco. Now, because it, as a child, he was already a prodigy. Everybody knew it. And it was a, a, a tremendous uh, Talmudic scholar, Mekubal, and he wrote a great perush on the Chumash. And that perush is actually studied by many, many synagogues uh, to this day between Minhan Arbit. Uh, because he did not want to earn his living from the Torah, he went ahead and learned to be a goldsmith. He was an expert goldsmith. But what he did was he would work, let's say, for a week. You have enough money for the next two weeks, and then he stays home learning and writing. Then he goes back again. He was working for a goy. And there's a very interesting and amazing little story about him. Something that parallels what happened to Daniel in Tanakh. Uh, was one time the Sultan of Morocco was, was about to make, he was to make a, uh, uh, he went to make a wedding for his daughter. And he made a, a huge order of jewelry and all kinds of gold and stuff like so, of course, the, the order went to the boss, and he wanted to have a certain time. He couldn't make it on time because Rabbeinu uh, Hayim bin Atar, Shalom, he only worked when he needed it, and that's it. So he wasn't on time, and the sultan at the time, if he was angry about someone, he had what they call a lion's den with hungry lions, and anyone that he didn't like, he would just throw him in there. So he wanted to throw the boss. The boss said, no, it's not my fault. It's my worker, my Jewish worker. Well, the Sultan was not uh, so friendly and loved the Jews that much. He said, oh, is that so? Then we'll throw him to the lion's den. And yes, they did. And lo and behold, nothing happened. Three days later, they came and they saw the Ora Hayim HaKadosh was still learning and all the lines around him like pussycats. That was the saintly Ora Hayim. At any rate, there is a pasuk in the parasha which says the following, Vayis'u mirfidim and the Bnei Israel moved out of Rifidim. 
Vayabo'u Midbar Sinai, and they came to Midbar Sinai. Vayahanu Bamidbar, and they encamped in the desert. Vayahansham Israel Negedahar. And Israel, they camped like Mul, the mountain. He's talking about the mountain of Sinai. He's asking three questions here. It says, They moved out of Rifidim. Why do I have to say we moved out of Rifidim? We know they were in Rifidim. It says, it says in the parasha before, they were in Rifidim. That's when, when Amalek came and they, they had, a, uh, they had a, a battle with them. So we know. So why does it say, Then it says, They came to Midbar Sinai. And then it says, And they encamped in the desert. Well, of course, they just says, Vayabo Midbar Sinai. They came to Midbar Sinai. Why do you have to say, Vayahanu Midbar? Of course they were there. And now that you said, Vayahanu Midbar, why do you have to say, Vayahan Shem, again, and they camped, Israel camped, we just said that. So I have three questions. Why this says, they moved out to Rafidim. Why say again, Vayahanu Midbar? And again, Vayihan Sham Israel. Three questions. The Ora Hayyam says this particular Pasuk is not intended to tell us something about geography or history of the journeys. He says, no, this Pasuk is something completely different. This Pasuk is describing three different Hachanot to Kabbalat HaTorah. Three preparations, three preconditions for being able to obtain the Torah. How's that? He says, let's look at the first one. Right? What does Rifidim mean? Rashi says before in the previous parasha, Rifidim, Rafu Yedehem. That the Bnei Israel, their hands became weak from studying the Torah. Rafu Yedehem. So now we have Vaisu Mirfi, meaning they moved out of that weakness. Because for Kabbalat Torah, you have to have Zrizut, effort, toil, labor. It is not something that comes Mimena, just by itself, by osmosis. It doesn't come like that. You have to work at it. We have to use time and effort. You know, it says, in What does it that mean? In says the Midrash, that you're supposed to toil in the, it's not something that comes by itself. You can transfer electronically within a few seconds, a hundred million dollars if you want, from one bank to another, but you cannot transfer information electronically or any other way from the, from the head of a great Tamit Hakam to somebody else. That just doesn't work that way. You wish it would, but it doesn't. It only works by sitting and learning and making sure that you're putting the proper effort. Otherwise, it just doesn't come in. Tihu amelim batorah. Another thing, the second one, he says, well, uh, before we, we go on from this, 
I want to mention a little parable from Rabino Yonah, Alava Shalom. Rabino Yonah, regarding this idea of to be Amel Batorah, he says the following. He says, there was a, a wealthy man what a beautiful palace, and he had a swimming pool. The pool was empty. And about a couple of hundred yards from there, there was a river. So obviously, he wanted somehow to get the water from the river to the pool. So he hired two people, Reuben Vishimon, two people. And he gave each one a pail. He says, you know, I'm going to pay you $12 an hour. I want you to go to the river, fill up the pail, come back and throw it into the pool. And do that all day long. 10 hours a day, you get $120. But there was a little problem. The pails that he gave them had a hole in it. So they go pick up the water. By the time they get to the pool... Uh, maybe uh, one, um, one quarter of the pail was, was left. Everything leaked out. So after a little while, the Uben says to Shimon, hey, what are we doing here? We're wasting our time. We're not going to fill this thing here. By the time we come here, hardly anything is thrown into the, into the pool. So Shimon says to him, wait a minute, what do you care? The man's paying you $12,000 no matter what. You're getting paid anyway. Yeah, you're putting effort, you're putting toil, but you're getting paid. So what do you care whether it gets filled up or not? The objective for you is not for the pool to be filled. It's for you to do work and you're getting paid. Rabino Yonah Shalom says the same thing about studying Torah. If you take one daf of Gemara and it looks very hard, very difficult to study, and you stay on it three days and you haven't accomplished anything, you don't understand it. Now you say to yourself, oh, I lost three days. No, you did not lose a thing. You're getting paid by the hour. Just like with the pail, the man with the pail, he was getting paid by the hour. He didn't accomplish anything. That's the same thing. As long as you're putting the effort, the labor, then you will get the reward for it. That's the idea behind the Torah. Akadosh Baruch Hu pays lefum sa'ara agra. He's going to pay you, he's going to reward you as long as you are learning the Torah. So one of the hachanot that the Orachim HaKadosh is saying is that we should rejuvenate our, uh, our, our willingness to make an effort and not to be lazy. The second thing is, it says, Vayahanu Bamidbar. Vayahanu is not, not trying to tell, we know, we know it was the Midbar. But this is another precondition. To be like a Midbar. What does that mean to be like a Midbar is Malcolm Hefker. It's an ownerless type of thing. Ownerless place. Don't belong to anybody. You could tread on it. Anybody can come in. He says, this is a sign of humility. Sign of anava. A Talmid Hacham, before he can really learn and be a Gadol, 
he has to have certain midot. So he's saying, this is trying to tell you tikkun hamidot. That a person should improve on his characteristic traits, on his behavior, the way he behaves toward other people, toward his fellow men. Because that is a precondition to learn the Torah. In fact, I believe it was the Ramban that asked the question. Uh, actually, Rashi asked that question too. The very first Rashi says, how come we have this whole idea of Bereshit? But Ramban uh, uh, even uh, goes further. Why do we have to have the, the history uh, of uh, Yaakov Avinu, Ishaq Avinu, Avraham Avinu, Yosef Tzaddik? What do we need all this for? Main, main thing for the Torah is what? The Mizvot. So we should start from the Mizvot of the Torah. You know what he says? He says, these, 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 all these events that occurred to our ancestors, Abotino, forefathers at Tzaddikim, he says, we learn from them the Midot. And those Midot that we learn from them are a precondition before receiving the Torah in Parashat Yitro. These are conditions. Derecheres, Kadmala Torah. You have to have certain way of behaving. You have to have derecheres, and especially humility. That's very, very important. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting to note that uh, uh, there is a, a, a little incident that's mentioned in the Gemara about Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Akiva. It shows the importance of the Midot. There was a drought once in Eretz Israel, and of course where there is a drought and the drought continues for a while, if you look in Masechetani, there's certain procedures that they have to go through. Certain Taniyot, certain prayers, whatever. So they, they said that they asked Rabbi Eliezer to pray for the rains to come down. Now Rabbi Eliezer was a miyuhas. It's a great, not only great, I mean, hacham, he had yihus. He comes from a long lineology of great talmidei hachamim. But nothing happened. He prayed, he prayed, nothing happened. Then they asked Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva was not miyuhas. He comes from gerim. But as soon as he said, Avinu malkenu elenu melech elata, our king, our father, we have no king but you. Avinu malkenu rahem alenu, have pity on us. All of a sudden, the rain started. Started to pour. Then the, the Yuma continues what happened then that uh, people. Starting murmuring, you know, oh, Rabbi Akiva is more hashuv than Rabbi Lezer. That's making any sense. Rabbi Lezer, great, great man, great scholar, Miyuhas. So, but call came, but call came, a voice from heaven, and said, Lo yoter hashuv It's not that this one is greater than the other one. Ella, Zema Abir Almidotav, Vezoloma Abir Almidotav. 
It's not a question of scholarship. It's a question of the midot. Rabbi Akiva Ma'avir Amidotav. He was the forbearing type of person. Someone can hurt him, insult him, whatever. He foregoes it. Doesn't get that. He doesn't care. Mevater. is mevater on his kavod. That was the reason. To show that the midot of a person are extremely important. So much so that Ora Hayim HaKadosh is telling us this is a precondition also for Kabbalat Torah. And finally, the third question, he says, he says, Vayahan says, again, Vayahan. But notice Vayahan is singular. One person. Vayahan Sham Israel. As Keish Ehad says Rashi, Keish Ehad Belev Ehad, like one man, one heart. Now, what does that mean, like one man? Obviously, we have 600,000 people. So what, we, what, what does it mean, like one man? It's not one man. We talk about hundreds of thousands of people. What does that mean, Kishahan? So I heard the pshat once, well, the following pshat like this. It says, Lotikon velotitor et bene amecha. You should not have any, take any vengeance from your fellow men. Immediately after that, it says, you shall love your neighbor like yourself. Like yourself. Now, what is uh, the, the, what is the smichut of these two, of these two uh, phrases here? Uh, the juxtaposition of these two phrases that not having vengeance and loving your fellow man like yourself, what's really uh, the meaning behind these two together. Very important. It's like this. Let's say you're holding a rose in your left hand and you're holding a nice sharp knife on it with your right hand and you're slicing the roast. And as you're slicing it, by accident, you somehow cut a bit of your a finger on your left hand. So now you see a little blood running out of the, your finger on the left hand, which was caused by your right hand. Now, what do you say to yourself? Do you say, oh, my God, my right hand is bad. I'm going to revenge myself. I'm going to take nekama. I'm going to take vengeance on my right hand, and I'm going to take a knife. I'm going to cut the right hand. Would you do that? Of course not. Only a fool would do that. won't make any sense. So what does this mean? It means that being your two hands are part of one unit, part of one person. And if you hurt one part, you wouldn't want to hurt the other part. Not only you wouldn't want to, it wouldn't even, it wouldn't even enter your mind. You, would, you wouldn't even think about it, that you should hurt the other hand. He says, that's what we mean. Don't take vengeance and love your neighbor like yourself, just like by yourself. If there is something wrong that you cause to yourself, you wouldn't even think of taking vengeance. He says, same thing with your fellow man. You should never even think 
of taking vengeance. That's how far it goes. Not even think about it. And that's what it says, Hansham, as one unit, meaning there were there was such tremendous love and peace between them at the time that they were in Har Sinai. That they would never, they, they came to that point where they would never take any nikama or vengeance between one another. With tremendous love and shalom. And that is one precondition for Kabbalah Torah Rabotai. So this is very important here. Or Hayim HaKadosh is detailing to us three different achanot. One, willing to exert ourselves, willing to take the time and effort, whether it's raining or snowing or whatever, in order to go to listen to the Torah and to spend time and time building our midot, always improving on our midot between men, fellow men, in your family, at work, in your community, in the synagogue, and finally, being together, being united as one person, that's very important. So nowadays, Rabutai, let me conclude with this. There is no reason for anyone, no excuse for anyone for not attending Shi'orit Torah. They're all over. Here also. Here, all day long. You would have Shi'orit Torah. All you have to do is open a button and listen carefully. But there's also Shi'orit Torah in the synagogue, in the Beta Midrash. Plenty of places, plenty of opportunities. So I, I asked once uh, one of my members, you know, and I, I said to him, How come, you know, you don't go to the Shi'orim? He said, I wish I could, but I have no time. So I said, Let me ask you a question. Do you have time to watch TV? He says, yeah, sometimes, yeah, I do. Do you have time to read newspapers? Yeah, he does. You have time to watch games or go actually to, to games, soccer games, and basketball, basketball games, or whatever. Of course you have time for that. So what essentially what he's saying is the following. You're telling Hashem, Hashem, I do have time for TV. I do have time for newspapers. I do have time for playing cars or playing backgammon and so on and so forth. But I'm sorry. I have no time for you. Rabotai, after 120, if that's going to be the answer, I don't think it's going to work out very well for you. Shavua Atov. Let me just remind you, this great station, if you can help it by doing contributions, there's, 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 there's no way of making a profit over here. There's not even uh, uh, publication. There's, there's no advertisement. There's hardly nothing. They live on your contributions. Also, if you do have a simha coming, why don't you look at the SLC, a beautiful um, uh, social hall that can accommodate 400 guests. Shavua Tov, Shalom Lachem.